When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. This is the Book Riot Podcast. I'm Jeff O'Neill. And I am Rebecca Shinsky. And today, it's our year in review, the news that made what was the world of books and reading in 2023. This is our last episode of 2023. We will be back in January Mm -hmm. with regular episodes per week. New show on Mondays. And Wednesdays. Well, that's the show we usually do. And then the new ones will drop on Wednesdays. This can be all kinds of stuff you're going to see there. Of course, Patreon, patreon.com slash book, right, podcast. We've had, a, we've had a, a mini surge of people signing up. Thank you so much yes. for doing that. It's very gratifying. Makes us feel very good. Very happy to have um, you. We like to think it's because we are are bright and sparkly. It could be because the teasers in the feed are saying, hey, these are things that I might actually like to hear about end of year. I don't know, but we really do appreciate all of you um, who support us directly over on Patreon. And we're going to be, I guess, especially interested in the new year from all listeners about what you like and don't like about these extra shows that we're going to do, because it's not going to be us doing this another show of news for the week. We're going to be trying some other stuff, bringing some stuff over from first edition, bringing stuff that we had done previously Patreon in front of the paywall. Um, and it's going to be a time of an experimentation and expansion. So please, please do let us know. And thank you so much for spending so yes. much of your time with thank us. Thank you so much. We will be starting just like a standing open Ask Us Anything mailbag form for Patreon That's members. Right. So we can accumulate those. And as we get a good number of them, we'll do uh, a mailbag answering show. I think we're also going to have a standing Ask Us for Book Recommendations kind of situation for Patreon members. And of course, the podcast inbox podcast at bookriot.com is always available to all listeners. You can send us feedback. I think we're going to launch a newsletter also next year so that we can wrap up stuff we've been talking about on the podcast, expand on our thoughts, send y'all little love notes, and include listener feedback that we don't get to get to on the show. So lots of good things coming. Yeah, we we have such good listeners that want to email us with tips or context or did you knows or here's something else. And we do feedback, you know, we we do follow up from time to time or when we can, but sometimes we miss something or, to be honest, it's not worth us five or ten minutes of beginning to show it, but it is interesting. So if you like the show, that that's going to be something we're going to do there. I have to figure out a way about permissions and affirmative consent, but we'll figure all that out in, in the new year. But um, it's always a fun time to talk to you all about books and reading and what a year it's been. Before we do that, let's look ahead to next year real quick just to mention that the Book Riot Read Harder 2024 Challenge is live and ready for you to go look at the challenge there. There's also new this year a um, 
a community element that's a subscription-based as well. Danica Ellis, one of our editors, you've heard her on this show. It's going to be running that. All kinds of features over that. Link in the show notes. You go to bookwrite.com. It's the, the featured image there. But they'll be in the link in the show notes at bookwrite.com slash listen for you to check it out. Okay, we're going to get... Rebecca did the yeoman's work here. She got our categories and filled most of these things in. I'm going to be mostly um, uh, emceeing, but she did a lot of the work. But before we do that, let's take our first sponsor break. Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang. So this is an interesting love story. It's great for fans of Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow and High Fidelity. It's set in the mid-90s at NYU. And it follows young Wang, who has gotten the advice of love through Chinese numerology from his uncle. So he believes that he will have seven great loves in his life. And then he meets Irena in 95. And she's like the best. She's brilliant, charismatic, quick-witted, funny. They fall in love. But the thing is, she's number six. So if he is to have seven great loves, does that mean his time with Arena is going to come to an end? So this is a love letter to Western pop culture, Eastern traditions, and being a first-generation New Yorker. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Underlined. Haven't read a Natasha Preston thriller yet? We dare you to try. She's known for her line of chilling young adult suspense novels like The Cellar and The Fear. The New York Times and USA Today bestselling author excels at putting fear into the hearts of her readers. So her newest book titled The Dare is about five friends whose senior prank goes very, very wrong. This is the perfect graduation season read for thriller fans who can handle a good scare. The Dare is now available wherever books are sold. You can learn more more about it at getunderlined.com. So again, this young adult thriller is about five friends with a prank that goes wrong. There are dark secrets, a twisty plot, and creepy I know what you did last summer vibes. So if you, you know, it's graduation season, you want to revel in that, but like make it scary. You know what I mean? Pick up The Dare by Natasha Preston. And thanks again to Underline for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Bloom Books. Charming, easygoing, and rich, Xavier Castillo has the world at his fingertips. He also has no interest in taking over his family's empire, but that hasn't stopped women from throwing themselves at him. Unless, of course, the woman in question is his publicist. The cool, the intelligent, the ambitious Sloan Kensington, who is a high-powered publicist who's used to dealing with difficult clients, but none infuriate or tempt her more than a certain billionaire heir with his stupid dimples and laid back attitude. She may be forced to work with him, but she'll never fall for him because he's a client and that's all he'll ever be. Right? Right, girl. Like we all know. So just in case you didn't know, author Anna Wong is the best-selling author and book talk viral author of the Twisted Love series, the King of Sin series, Miss Wong, got it going on, okay? Make sure to check out King of Sloth by Anna Wong. And thanks again to Bloom Books for sponsoring this episode. Okay, Rebecca, let's start here, which is 
was it an unusually jam-packed year of hmm. news? Did it feel like, you know, was it a standard deviation in any direction from our, sort of what we expect from a year of, of what's new, cool, and we're talking about in the world of books? It felt to me like, look, especially looking back over a year's worth of podcast agenda, we had a yeah. big cluster of stories around AI, an ongoing cluster of stories around book banning. Like, mm. Mary the week goes by where there's not something we could talk about related to book banning. We had a rising like if those are the primary themes we had a rising let's talk about all the ways that the book internet is not as great as it could be kind of theme that came up like stories all around some of those will come up in the highlights today and then some potpourri the rest of it felt pretty normal you know we had the simon and schuster acquisition we don't know how that's going to shake out yet People started imprints, people closed imprints, authors did ridiculous <laughs> things on the internet, people did stuff on book talk. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. I think this was an outstanding year for books. We've been on this thing for a while where it seems like the odd numbered years are like really, really killer. And that was definitely true this year. And a pretty normal, I think other than the rise of AI and everyone losing their minds over it, a pretty normal year in terms of like what was happening in books and reading, aside from the book banning stuff, which we will never think is normal, but is very common now. It was a 2022 story that continued into 2023. Like it's a multi-year story at this point. So it's hard to say there was anything, especially you have some specific moments we should talk about here too. I guess one thing I don't see on here, and we can maybe do 2024 predictions, but when we Mm -hmm. say this is romanticy. Oh yeah. Is going to get its chance to fly or flounder next year. Was the the Sarah J Maas led the way? And even some things before that we've talked about before, Hunger Games, Twilight, Fifty Shades, the the commercial romance as a earth-moving, blockbuster-making category that we then sometimes somehow are still surprised by when it happens every couple of years. Um, Romanticy, there's a bunch coming. Um, I, it sounds like even this review-bombing author thing, I haven't mm-hmm. really looked too much at the actual book there. I think it was a Romanticy title um, coming through uh, the middle of next year. But that's his 2024 story. I think that the legal challenges to book banning bans have started yes. in earnest in 2023, and that's really seeming to pick up in 2024, getting legislatively involved. Mm-hmm. There's, of course, huge elections coming next year. I don't have to tell Ugh. anyone in the States about this. I, I can't think about it at this point. No, myself. I have like one eye open and my fingers over my face when I have to think about that. Yeah, yeah. But it'll be interesting to see what happens in... Um, those it'll be, let's say, more than interesting to see, but that will be a story there as well. The other one we haven't talked about too much um, of late is that book sales had been soft for much of the year, have turned around quite a bit mm-hmm. in Q4. We've seen some some rebounding, so I'm I'm not sure if that's a people are feeling like maybe a recession isn't going to happen. You know, there's some the stock soft market's landing. been doing pretty well over this. Say the soft landings, buzzword buzzwords that I sort of understand. Um, but you know, we've heard from people in publishing that they weren't going to hit their numbers maybe, but maybe now they are curious to see. I don't think H1 of 2024 is the strongest slate of books I've ever seen. I'll put it I that don't way. either. I've been you know, going through catalogs because our first bonus episode of next year is our winter draft. And there are some, there are some books coming out. There's some stuff I'm looking forward to reading, but we had such a stacked 
fall. Spoiled. Totally spoiled. <laughs> Completely. Like, that we got to talk about in a, like, three-month period, Colson Whitehead, Lauren Groff, Jesmine Ward, Michael Lewis, <laughs> James mm. McBride. Like, that's just a real embarrassment of riches. Zadie Smith. <laughs> It's, I know you can even forget someone, yeah. and you should like uh, and, a big one. Yeah, um, and I think this is how but, the winner of 2021 was when we thought that was unusual because yeah. we got a bumper crop in 2021 with a lot of books that were supposed to be 2020 titles and that were delayed. But I know we spent the fall of 2021 doing like Louise Erdrich, Jonathan Franz, and that whole like uh, that October mm-hmm. was a big stack as well. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I think early 2024 is not looking uh, it's not looking this strong. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to book sales. Like folks are going to get their cash on christmas get their gift cards we'll see what happens in january um but i have heard from booksellers on the ground that the holiday retail season is looking and feeling good so that's encouraging that's great good for all the people out there um selling books uh especially uh have you started 2024 reading yet i think next week i'm going to turn to it i think i'm going to do one more week of 2023 but i'm turning to 2024 i have not i i think i have my eye on my first read of 2024 um but i haven't started it i am wrapping do you mind up. saying is it a secret what's happening Listen, here is that for offline what's no, going on i love me some bonnie joe campbell and she has a new novel oh, okay. called the water that's coming out on january 9th um probably not spoiling anything i don't think she's a big enough name that i'm gonna end up with mm-hmm. it like in my draft necessarily um but i i love her um she wrote one of my all-time favorite short stories looking forward to a new novel so i think that's probably going to be a treat to myself in yeah. in those quiet days between Christmas and New Year's. But yeah, I'm wrapping up my 2023 right now. I'm finishing up with an O'Neill recommendation. I'm reading Pulling the Chariot Out of the Sun. Or, oh, yeah. yeah. In the memoir, Hurley Burley, that one kind of got overlooked, I think. Uh, yeah. It wasn't a celebrity memoir. It didn't work. It didn't sell particularly well. It's it's more challenging. It's not hard to understand, but what what's happening there is takes a little inquiry and thought, yeah, which I appreciate. I do too. The speaking. language, I think you, when you talked about it on the show, you you know, pointed out that the author is a poet and it is poety language. Yeah. It's more poety than uh, the Sophia Sinclair, How to Say Babylon, for sure. It like there's some is. repetition. It feels a little bit more mm-hmm. like poetry. Um, really gorgeous. But it's requiring, you know, the sit down, really pay attention, can't have like... Bob can't have like ESPN on in the background. I can't be listening to Wilbon argue about something right. while I'm trying no, to process no, this book. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So the story of um of a young man who was abducted, I guess is kidnapped the right word. I, mean, is I don't the even know why I'm uses, up talking. Yeah. Kidnapped. He uses the word kidnapped by his grandparents. Um, he's biracial and then raised in the in the messy middle. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that way. Uh, more than a little bit messy. His grandparents are actively white supremacists, so. If I can get my Edelweiss approval (laughs) internet for Leslie Jameson's memoir, Mm. I think that's going to be my first 2024 reading experience. Let me just give you my password. I got that downloaded. I have pride, Rebecca. (laughs) I'm going to get a mid-tier, mid-list literary memoir on my own merits, or I'm not going to read it. (laughs) Okay. Not you riding just on your jetpack tails. Pull that little red wagon all you want. Yeah, I guess. Well, let me pull it by I'm myself. Really looking forward to the Leslie Jameson 
as well. Yeah. How's your 2023 cleanup going so far? Oh, it's great. Um, I just finished this morning Northwoods by Daniel Mason and it blew my mind. Oh, right. Well, now I'm sold. That was my probably going to pick it, it up in the airport. Incredible. Um, you're really going to like it, I think. It, it's it's telling the story and it takes a while to figure this out. So it might be a little bit of a spoiler, not because of plot, just because some of the, the pleasure is figuring out what's going on. It's telling the story of this plot of land in Massachusetts over the course of many decades. Yeah. Of, and there's different formats, different genres from multiple points of view over time. And the more it unfolds, the the greater the wonder. And there's a little bit of what's going on here, maybe a mystery, maybe something else. I was blown away. I, I didn't know what to expect. I've read, I don't think I've read Daniel Mason before. I couldn't remember mm. it. Um, I've died. So it was. It's for sale for five ninety nine on most digital platforms right now. So I was looking it's like, okay, what am I going to mop up here? I think the beasting is going to be my last yes. read of the year. But I was looking for one more before that. I was like six bucks insta buy. Got it on my got on my my Kindle scribe. Um, yeah, I I thought it was terrific. I'll be super curious to hear what. Uh, Great! I just clicked buy on one of those five ninety nine digital copies. It's coming to me. I think I've got to wrap up pulling the chariot out of the sun. I have maybe, I don't know, I'll read Northwoods and then I've got a couple holiday romances still lingering. That feels like good airplane time for me. Yeah, so. yeah. I, I think my last audiobook is going to be Airplane Mode. I'm finish, finishing up Hidden Potential by Adam Grant right now, and I think Airplane <laughs> Mode will be my last. We got to talk about the, the hilarity of our experience with Airplane Mode because remember how you drafted it in the wrong year and neither of us realized it was the wrong year so i think you drafted it last fall and then i i I drafted in the late 70s i remember (laughs) carter was president right Um, i went and pre-ordered it from a friend's bookstore and his business partner emailed me back and was like you do know this doesn't come out until 2023 right and i was like i did not know that but can i just hold the pre-order and they said yes so my copy I ordered. Now, this is definitely the farthest out I've ever ordered a book. (laughs) It's in the mail (laughs) on the way to me. So maybe I'll read airplane mode on an airplane. That seems right. It must have just been delayed. There must have been some problem because it's catapult, right? That's very unusual for catapult to have something like 16 months ahead of time to pre-order. Yeah, it's weird for a metadata error to have something available for pre-order 16 months out. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of Q1, I think the book I'm most looking forward to is Tommy Orange's um, mm-hmm. sophomore novel, Wandering Stars. I think that's my that's my most anticipated Q1 title at this point. I don't have my list in yeah. front of me. I have a, I have a database and everything Man, now. I'm really getting into it at this we're point. We're going to do a whole episode of our most anticipated title. That's right. So. Yeah, that's you got some time. Go. All right. Uh, we've been noodling around. Let's get into it. I'm, we're, again, these are stories we've all talked about, so I don't know that we're going to spend too much on any particular one of them. Rebecca decided to start off on the sunny side, which is good job book people. Um, and there's a there's a good job for promoting something and a good job for ultimately deciding not to promote something. Though it's hard to say that Paul Harding's <laughs> East of Eden did not get its kudos. It was it was um, often the bridesmaid in the end of year literary awards, but it did not end up actually um, getting a ring put on his finger, which. Which I think is is warranted. Again, let me say this again before Rebecca quotes me of calling it gormless back to my face. I'm, is that I don't really think it's bad. I just thought it was not up to the scratch of many, many of the other books. I have rarely been as delighted as you being like gormless. And I'm delighted on here pretty frequently. So that was, it was, you know, I just wasn't going to miss an opportunity to make note of that again. Yeah. And then our other good job book people is 
all the James McBride love. Just Barnes and Noble Book of the Year, nominated for awards, winning nominations for Goodreads stuff. Everybody's putting him mm. on the best of lists. Yes. James McBride coming off the bench of my under celebrated authors. We're going to do a new episode next year about who's under celebrated yes. now. So delighted. James McBride is getting all the glitter and it's high time. This might be my friend recency bias talking, but I got to look at Daniel Mason real hard. I meant to go some, do some backlist here. A Stanford university psychiatry professor oh. by day. Yeah. I yeah. didn't He's, even know he had backlist. You, I thought this was a debut. So you're, I'm having Mukherjee's looking at him real hard being like, is this the most interesting man in the world mm. um, at this point? And it's, it's not actually, you know what? Settle down, Jeff. That's <laughs> what are we doing here? We got to be careful. Um, and you know what? The kudos are paying off in sales. I'm just pulling open my Publishers Weekly from this week. And McBride's the number seven overall fiction front list Love seller. Love to see Sold it. 24, 20, 23,000 copies in hardcover last week, which is up um, uh, week over week. So really good to see just ahead of, uh, just behind some guy named Stephen King. Uh, <laughs> it's not a bad there. way so, to So yeah, live. wonderful. Yeah. I, you know, on the, in the first edition, um, interview I did with him he was he was so grateful for all the shine he's gotten already I wonder what he's feeling like today um I wonder I wonder how he's I mean I, I should email Riverhead and just see what the <laughs> just, and say congratulations and everything yeah. but hey James how's um, your soul you know how you do yeah I'm sure he's doing fine he's out there playing his sax I hope so uh, right now uh, I guess on the similar tip and this is weird for us to say that Groff and Ward were under celebrated but not on any of the major finalist lists, yeah. right? Yeah, not on New York Times, not on yeah, not on any of the other big ones. I think the I Pulitzers saw, will be in the spring, right? And I saw Vaster Wilds on I think maybe the Time list, one of the lists that just came out in the last week or so. Um, finally, yeah. I was like, someone finally included Vaster Wilds. I think they made a lot of the wrap ups, but the, in terms of the award yeah. list, there was. Not around. I think this is just going to go down as regrettable judgment about books. I think both of those, I really think, especially Vaster Wilds, are going to stand the test of time or be, you know, real signal works of 2023. Mm -hmm. Um, I've got people talking to me about Vaster Wilds from my civilian circles that, yeah, yes, where like, oh, oh, you picked this up or I've recommended it and they've actually gone for it. One of Bob's brothers mm. is listening to the Vaster Wilds on audio, and I'm having this moment Incredible. of like, okay, what other weirdo literary fiction can I slowly ease you into? <laughs> it's it's wonderful. Groff taking her <laughs> taking her cheddar and reinvesting it into Gainesville, Florida. Yes, you see this? I the did. Links, her bookstore, they're going to be open it's with her one, with her partner great, there. Yeah, I saw her say, uh, "Putting my money where my mouth see. is." So may their efforts succeed. Yeah, it's not the Northwoods as comp um, is not. The fraud plus Vaster Wilds is not the worst. I oh, could do. well, not quite, but it's not the you worst. You have I my attention. Uh, you know, I yeah. saw the news about Lauren Groff opening the bookstore on Blue Sky, which I don't think we have mentioned on this oh, podcast. But yeah, you know, we're not going to put our podcast on the Twitter or the thing formerly known as no. Twitter. We are considering some other dedicated social media, but we're experimenting with Blue Sky. A lot of book people have navigated over there. You can find us at Book Riot Pod if you are on Blue Sky. Um, so hang out with us over there. Yeah, and I've got a few invite codes. I offered them first to the patrons, but I've got a few more. Oh, nice. So email me at um, podcast at bookriot.com. The first few people, I'll, I'll use them 
I'll give them away till I'm, I'm done if you're interested in that. Um, okay, love to see it. The Pulitzers expanded eligibility in a really well-orchestrated, deserved, and frankly, undeniably persuasive campaign. I think mm-hmm. I think the first thing I saw was Javier yeah, me too. Um, Zamora's piece about expanding the Pulitzer's eligibility to include people who write and work in the United States, that it's not about what documents you may or may not have, but where, where you are um, and what you're writing about. And the Pulitzer's, I think it's one of those things that maybe they just needed to be pointed out they had broccoli in their teeth, mm-hmm. or I, it didn't feel like there was much resistance. It felt like all of a sudden it came pretty quickly. I don't know what, if there was resistance before that. I don't know if there'd been previous conversations by interested parties to say, but um, given the political, it's it's longer to say moment. I guess the political era we're in, mm-hmm. frankly. Era seems right. Um, it, it did seem untenable for it to continue any longer. But you also want to say when it's time, it's time, and well done. Yes. Well done to the Pulitzers. Congratulations. Um, shouldn't have to make that sort of a pitch. But thank you so much to those who did. Um, I think it's a richer mm-hmm. award for it. I agree. And it was nice to see that response was swift and thorough, you know, about how they're going to yeah. handle this and that it takes effect pretty quickly. It wasn't a like, mm-hmm. we will be correcting this within the next decade. Um, so really glad to see that if this was a new conversation, they adapted very quickly. If it had been ongoing, they got their stuff together quickly enough to to respond. And um, that's not always possible, but it's really encouraging to see it, um, especially from such a revered body as the Pulitzers. So. I, it's probably not a good use of um, Javier Zamora's um, uh, erudition in moral clarity, but if, if you're interested in getting on the side of bringing all these awards into a calendar year and all having oh. the same eligibility, <laughs> Mr. Zamora, I will gladly sign your petition. You don't need me to, to move the needle, but I need some. We need a champion. The banner is just lying here on the ground. Can we, we get need someone like, to pick it up? A bunch of the self help efficiency productivity folks to like help us make this case. What is Adam Grant up to? Can he help yeah, us? Yeah, would Charles Duig, Habit, you know, maybe yeah. James Clear, Atomic Habits. <laughs> what go. do we need what do we, what do we need here? Duig's got a new book coming out next year about super communicators and, you know, take this opportunity, show us all how to be persuasive, Charles Duhigg. Let's yeah. get all these things on the same calendar year, please. To, to boulderize Gertrude Stein, a year is a year is a year. <laughs> okay, let's move on from that. Audiobook moments of the year. You came up with this uh, without me, except I did seed one, which is Leslie Jones' 17-hour yes. uh, long audiobook <laughs> with improvisations that someone Hachette tipped me off. Um, I, Michelle Wims narrating Britney Spears' memoir, and not just that, but her doing Justin Timberlake <laughs> yes. in that particular moment. The best. Uh, if we were going to make a bookish time capsule, we'd need to put that on a wax cylinder or something else for the... Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good gig. Ooh. What would we put in the 2021... We'll save that for the end of next year. What goes in the bookish world's time capsule for the year? And then Spotify introducing free listening to premium members. Something affecting my listening habits today, Rebecca Shinsky. Tell me, what are you listening to there today? Well, I'm just, I, well, that's, I'm listening to Hidden, uh, Hidden Potential by oh, Adam Grant. Yeah, just okay. on there. Yeah, great. It was within my envelope of 15 hours. Mm-hmm. I'd used the first bit on, I can't remember what I did. Oh, Jeff Tweedy's, um, World Within a Song, which was great lovely. and quite lovely. Um, there was a piece by Kim Scott in the Times yesterday that I linked to, kind of warning against Spotify doing t- to the audiobook market what they did to music. I wrote a little bit mm-hmm. of that today, saying, I understand the concern. I don't think it's the same, though I could see it happening the same way. Publishing has been very proactive, 
I guess that's more of a neutral way of putting, of policing its wares against the wide, all-you-can-eat-everything streaming yes. model. That's not what they've done so far. I do think, and I agree with Kim Scott in this regard, Kim Scott, the article of Radical Candors, I know probably does a healthy trade in audiobooks for Radical mm-hmm. Candor, I would guess, um, is it will be tempting for Spotify to start moving the goalposts away from the publisher's interests. And it's not the first one that gets you, it's the second one. Yep. So if Spotify ever wants to radically change the amount that's getting paid or make it everything, those things for sure. But it seems like right now, and the quotes we've heard from publishing executives have been, we're getting kind of what we get on other platforms for the books listened to. Maybe there's a soft landing for this. You know, The soft landing being, can you have it both ways? Mm-hmm. Can you have growth and not have too much inflation? In this regard, could you open up the audiobook market without giving away the farm? And I don't think they have yet. I think the temptation could be. I think the other difference, too, is the the horse was already out of the barn. I'm mixing my agricultural (laughs) metaphors here. I mean, I was on Napster in 1996, Mm -hmm. Rebecca. Like, the streaming music thing was there. And I don't know that... That's that's really the same. Now, could Spotify use a similar playbook? I think so. I think the thing that Kim Scott didn't mention is we already had a virtual monopoly mm-hmm. in audiobooks in the form of Audible. So I think I'm, we're going to be keeping a close eye on this. Any change to Spotify's terms, I'm oh, yes. we'll make a news segment on this yes. show. I guarantee you that, that right now. I can t- certainly worth talking about. In my household, we are living out the thing that I think is Spotify's real strategy yeah, here, which you is... you had to re-up. You had to, you had to get more chips at the yeah, casino, well, huh? Well, we haven't had to do that, but... When oh. we were coming out of, when you and I were coming out of, I think our last um, gift recommendation show, and we were talking about sex, death, and fly fishing, and you let me know that that author has oh. like a ton of books yes. about these things, I immediately was like, Bob, this is not the only one. There are very <laughs> many. You know, you have done your listening to the entire catalog of Patrick O'Brien's Tall Ships. Let's move on to fly fishing. Let's let's, let's bring it down a notch. Right. Just one guy with a stick. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. And Here we go. First, I completely bought watched the title of the one you recommended and was like, I think it's like standing in a river waving a thing or whatever. And it's pretty close. It's, yeah, it's not the worst. So he looks on Audible and he's like, oh, Audible has a bunch of them and many of them are free. So he downloaded all the ones that were free to listen on Audible. The ones that are not free to listen on Audible, he's just going to check Spotify and use our free Spotify hours instead of purchasing a thing or using an Audible credit. So I, I'm thinking Bob is the primary audiobook listener in our house, and I can see that we're, we're going to have a migration where those 15 hours a month are really going to make a difference to, to the dollars that our household gives to Audible, which is exactly what Spotify wants, and they can continue having my 10.99 a month. It's absolutely fine with me. They, I have noticed they Spotify does not have everything included with premium. They There's don't. a couple things I had to go I had to go back. So if you're and now again, I think most readers are going to use it like a library and see what's on the shelf. But for those of us that are maybe more persnickety slash particular slash whatever refined um, taste word you want to get yeah, there you go. <laughs> discerning. Um probably we're gonna have to keep both uh yeah. I am going to be keeping but, both. Uh, yeah, buckets, we've been a two uh, audiobook also. credits a month household on Audible, and I think we'll probably yeah. be able to drop down to one. So good job, Spotify. What is Aud- I wonder what, what conversations are having at Audible right now. What, I would love to know <sighs> yeah, that's what, what they're seeing real. and what they're thinking about. I, I'll put that on the 2024 dartboard. Mm-hmm. What's, what's the next um, chess move in the audiobook 
um, competition world. Something will change. It, we're, we're not going to be going into 2024 and everything's going to oh, be the yeah. same. The offering's the same. It's not going to be the same year from now. I, I, would, I would bet a significant amount on that. Um, let's see. Worst published response to book band Scholastic took this by a country mile <laughs> when they decided to segregate their books into a diversity collection to make it easy for the bigots to peel off. They've since walked that back. Um, I don't think we've covered some of the stuff that's happened since then, um, but it's not it's not the same as it what it once was. They're exiting some markets. They're going to mm-hmm. try some other things like that. The internet, I think was this was the internet's least favorite book story of the year. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, book bands, of course, are bad, but in terms of a single identifiable actor, well, um, the internet tends to come down harder on book people for crap like this, which I guess makes sense. I mean, the real culprits here are sort of like school boards in Florida. You know, that, like, what a but, swing, because anyway. Scholastic, and especially the Scholastic Book Fair, real high Q rating. Lots of yes. affection, lots of nostalgia right. that we all have about the glory of the Scholastic Book Fair. Millennials, you know, it's like you can smell it. And yeah to dip into like it was just a big swing to take to fall all the way into like oh my god this is what they're doing it's a lot to re- yeah. recover i would not want to be responsible for like scholastics you know public PR, perception no. branding situation right now yeah the people i don't know if they still bring in those like shrinky dink airstream trailer cases that they used to have but um i don't know that people are going to think of them with quite the same fondness for yeah. a while um yeah Best published response to book bans, PRH lawyering up. Yep. Multiple um, states. Especially in Iowa. Multiple states, but it looks like Iowa is where Florida, really I think, and Texas put maybe. It, putting the, med- the Yeah, Iowa has this particularly wide-ranging one, um, state-level law. Um, that That's the one where you cannot depict sex in any context, which is uh, mm-hmm. dumb in just <laughs> nine different kinds of ways. Um, the Kama Sutra of Dumb, I would say, is Iowa's <laughs> book banning law to really merge oh, the streams man. there a little bit, showing you all the ways that you can be stupid. If only you could have retrograde. said that phrase before we started giving our episodes I know. straighter show titles. <laughs> Maybe that will be part of the newsletters for the episodes in between. This will be the show title oh, under the, the old Kama regime. Sutra of Dumb. <laughs> Yeah. So that's terrible. Oh, that's that's a great move. I'm glad we we're seeing it. I think we've been waiting from the publishing world to take a proactive put dollars behind what you're doing, not just hashtags in a collected thing that we're going to do. Um, I think it's not only in their moral interest, I think it's their long-term yes. interest to make sure that books are available and widely read um, and that the market, especially for young kids, continues to be robust and inclusive. Yeah, and as Kelly Jensen wrote in our literary activism newsletter recently, like this is the way. Legal action yep. is the way. They are making laws that ban these books, that create all of these challenges, that limit what kids have access to. The way to fight that is with legal action in response. All of the like feel good, mail a book to a kid in a banned book state are like, yeah, I, right. I'm kind of surprised, but really glad that we haven't seen a publisher do a like, for every book you buy, we'll send one to Florida kind of thing. Like, no, just keep your money and let's pay the lawyers. Let's do it. No. Yeah, that's right. The Berlin airdrop is not a solution. No. Bringing down the yes. Berlin wall was the solution. Um, I think the pincher attack of elections and legal action, I hope will attenuate this mm-hmm. a great deal, but I'm, I'm afraid it's going to be quite regional. Yes. Um, uh, for the for the time being, um, achievement reporting. I'm so glad you put this in here. Atlantic scoop slash analysis of the books three data set that was used to train LLMs, particularly Meta's LLM. 
incredible work. Yeah, what uh, a really series. set the internet on fire. What a series! What a scoop! What an analysis! Probably the most timely single piece of book coverage we saw. Yes, and I think if you're I don't know, studying up for your family holiday dinners and there's someone in your family that you think is going to talk about AI, you can't really do better than that. I think it's three or four pieces um, that The Atlantic ran over the course of the summer as they were really digging into how are these models trained? What are they trained on? Which books are in them? What are the possible implications of that for books and authors, but for the state of reading and literary art in general? And just kind of how... Is AI used? How is it going to be used? What do we need to understand when we talk about some material was put into this? What does that really mean? Um, certainly, like the cornerstone pieces of the summer, I think, and and really the cornerstone pieces of the year in terms of broad mainstream media coverage about AI that was written for the book industry, but also for uh, for a wide audience. It's a good brush up. It's also, I mean, if you haven't looked at it yet, um, you might also look at it on a desktop or an iPad. It's really beautifully yeah, designed, really interactively. Well it, it, you can do it on your phone, um, but it's it's particularly cool um, to to see on a larger format. The way they've the AI, uh, the AI, the uh, the UI <laughs> and the presentation and the tool you use is particularly mm-hmm. nice on a desktop. Yeah, it's a, it's try not to freak yourself out, but it is a really cool. good set of pieces of journalism for sure. I'll be really surprised if that doesn't make it to maybe Pulitzer finalist stuff. That's really good, innovative work. I don't know. I think the geopolitical. St- oh, that's I, true. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, I have sidebar. This did I ever do this in a half baked idea? I don't know. Um, we need Macmillan or Holt or one of those companies does the Best American X series to do a Best American Writing writing. Mm. Best American Writing about writing yes. for the year. About books, reading, literacy, literature. I would definitely think. Again, it's not amenable to the print format because, like I said, that you, it's querying databases and showing your results and all kinds of stuff. Um, but So maybe, maybe a digital version. Heck, maybe we should do it. Maybe, maybe in January I should start taking candidates for Best American Writing writing, and I could keep track of that. That'd be kind of fun to do. Uh, but this certainly would have made the piece. I guess kind of along that line of, this is, these are more, let's say it again, for the kid in the back mm-hmm. kinds of conversations to have. Um, bestseller lists are broken. That was a book riot joint. And then Goodreads is bad for books. That's Taja Issen over at the Walrus, um, who has a, a really nice um, collection of essays that's out now and a memoir coming out next year I'm looking forward to. But anyway... Goodreads is bad for books for reasons that are both bad and boring, I would say, at this point. Yes. Or familiar, I guess I will say. And that bestseller lists are likewise compromised. We did a whole annotated episode about how they're gameable and gamified um, and selective. I was talking to just someone yesterday. Well, actually, I know who it was, but I don't want to say. The, the, the paywall around book data is so intense mm-hmm. and the, the work done to collect it is so expensive. I do understand it. But we have an enormous debt when it comes to actually who is buying what and where and when that is continues to be a millstone around my soul of understanding <laughs> of what's going on. And I think it's I frankly think it's bad for the I industry. I agree. I do think it's bad for the I industry. I agree. Transparency of data tends to be a positive thing in industries. Yeah. So that we can all work from the same data set. You can actually have answers to your questions about stuff. I think it would be incredibly useful for media, for readers, for the industry in general, just to have a real sense of stuff. Um, I'll say also for industry, 
folks. Chris, uh, Kathleen Schmidt, who is an independent book publicist, has worked at several publishers over the years and is now independent, has an excellent substack called Publishing Confidential. She does. And she's got uh, both free and paid pieces. One of the free pieces last week um, was also about this, about how the bestseller lists are broken. And she's going from a perspective of like, they're broken because they're a black box, but also because they are unfair. Um, they're particularly unfair to marginalized folks. We need in our industry some kind of way of keeping track of what's happening who like what which books are successful we need these numbers to be accurate and we need to have a conversation about how to make the lists fair um and so i've been really pleased to see those pieces coming out i hope she's getting a good response to them but if you're looking for a place to put six bucks to get good content about what's going on in the industry she also because she's a publicist writes pieces that are more author focused um for like here's how to understand what your publisher is looking for here's how to think about book publicity um she was one of the very first book people that i like became buds with on book twitter back is that right yeah like back in like 2008 when book twitter was pleasant um so that's been just a cool connection to have and cool to see how her career has evolved but her publishing confidential substack is really great so here is just a vote for go check that out um if you're looking for information about this stuff too um I don't think anyone has figured out this story of the year, which was Oprah's publicity bender for The Coven of Water by Abraham Verghese, which I guess is what I can't even figure out Occam's Razor. Is Occam's Razor, she was just in it? She was into it. I think that, What's Occam's Razor for this? I think Occam, Occam's Razor is just she was into it, and maybe she wisely thought, since this is such a long book, we'll do it over the summer. We'll like spread this over several months. Now, Right after that, she picked an equally long book, Wellness by Nathan Hill, and only talked about it for a month. I think she must have just loved it. And as we've had a couple weeks since I dropped my hottest take on first edition, Mm. (laughs) where I could not for the life of me put Covenant of Water in the top 12 it books of the year, I think I've come around to like, now I understand what was going on in my soul at that moment. And I think it's that I don't believe that Covenant of Water would have been one of the big books of the year without the Oprah hype. So it just like it felt manufactured in a way that often when she's got a book that she picks like, you know, she's talking about Jasmine Ward. Jasmine Ward was going to be a big deal. That book is going to be talked about anyway. Or James McBride, that book is going to be talked about anyway. Oprah makes an impact. But this, I think, was like kind of an outsized book that was made by Oprah four months of content around something to sell a million copies. I don't know. It just, I think that's where I've got bad right news for you about all the other Oprah book phenomenons then. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we're Do you just... think She's Come Undone by Wally Lamb would have oh, no, like, no. flown up Listen, the charts without W? 1993 Oprah and 2023 Oprah are really different situations. That's boy, the cope here is just intense for you. But okay, we can move on for the minute. Uh, we're in process. These are stories we have have come and gone to some degree, but we're waiting to see what the net effect is. One is Simon and Schuster being sold to KKR. Um, they actually named their board uh, last week. I think mm-hmm. we got Madeline McIntosh, former CEO of PRH, notable among them, but also people that have been in social media and YouTube. My take is it looks to me like business as usual, maybe with some notion to do something else, but you don't put Madeline McIntosh on your board if you're going to really redraw the map. Because you know what Madeline McIntosh tried to do is conglomerate. Mm -hmm. Um, And 
you don't have need to have read Dan Sinekin's wonderful big fiction, which I made as a <laughs> one-off wild card dealer's choice finalist. And I stand by that. I will mm-hmm. say as co- pieces continue to come out about big fiction, even some now negs, which that now you know oh, you really mean yes. when you get the negs happening. That's right. Um, I, I just I, I I just don't see how they're going to reinvent the wheel there necessarily. Maybe they're going to roll up some rights and adaptation stuff, but that stuff's been going on quite. Anyway, we'll see. I, I think for the book industry, which tends to like stability, as, as much as they're Sturm und Drang, people don't want things to change because the book industry is lowercase c conservative. Mm-hmm. It just is in terms of how things are done. I think people were settled down by this sale to this client and the naming of this board. I saw very little coverage of, which means in the book world that people were cool with it. Yeah, I agree. Degree. Things we don't know what to do. TikTok announced, planned a publishing imprint. I have seen Bupkis. Same about it since same uh, we know they're thinking about it planning on it at one yeah. point there was a linkedin posting for an acquiring editor an extremely well-paid acquiring yeah. <laughs> editor position as, uh, as i recall i think pretty quickly been one of the highest paid editors in the industry did we see an announcement if we even got that job i don't no, think we saw no. a publi- I, maybe i missed it if anyone first edition oh, excuse me well you could email out there too i'll get the same thing podcast at bookwrite.com we'll keep it a little disambiguated Uh, Let's take a sponsor break before we wrap up with the last few of the year. Eyeballs emoji. So these are, can you believe this, moments? They're not also bad necessarily. I don't think that, well... I don't think the Bigless Dickless thing is, is that an eyeballs emoji for bad reasons or just can you believe this Just for like, whoa. Can you believe this? Whoa. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So for those of you who don't remember, how could you forget... um, Bigless Dickless, a Trigun anime influencer um, on the artist formerly known as Twitter, posted about This Is How You Lose the Time War, which is a short sci-fi romance. I mean, it really is from a few years ago. Is it lowercase or capital R romance? I don't know. Spoiler alert. You can figure that out if you want to. I'll keep you in suspense for the moment. And moved a, I, let me check my notes here. Oh, yeah, a butt ton mm-hmm, of units mm-hmm. to the point where when I was on vacation in a small town on the Oregon coast, and it was like a used bookstore, they had like one spinner rack of new titles. Um, and and um, this is how you lose a time war was among that. So he even made it out to the, the, the rainy coast of summertime Oregon. I don't know how much that's Peter off. I don't know um, exactly what happened on this, but it moved enough to notice and you and I said at the time, people are going to try to repeat this, or why don't people do this? And it's like, sometimes you've got to recognize a one-off yep. as a one-off. Yeah, and that, my dear Rebecca Shinsky, yes. is the most one-off of one-off book things you're going to ever see in our life. You here. take that gift from the internet, you say thank you, and you do not try to pull the slot machine again. You just That's right. know that you, you got lucky. You do not try to do it. Um... And things we would not like to see again, and I'm, frankly, I would just have scrubbed from my memory, <laughs> Men in Black style, is the book talk hockey romance shenanigan, where I don't even know how to say this without feeling like I'm turning out Mad Libs. Um, there is a many different romance fandoms, and there is a hockey, a strong hockey one, sports one, but a hockey one especially, and the a particular subset of that fandom got especially attached to a real-life hockey player for the Seattle Kraken and started making some posts 
under the larger phenomenon I now know as face claiming, oh. in which you ascribe a particular person to characters in these books and kind of use their face. New terminology. Oh, you didn't for know me. this. No. Yeah. All right. And then started posting about that, and it got increasingly uncomfortable, mature, I would say. <laughs> yes. To the point where the spouse of this person was like, maybe not so much with this, and there was a backlash to that, and we all needed to settle down. Yeah. I think well, I, I I don't think that the spouse needed to settle down. No. I, I think that made sense yes, to me. Yeah. Like, let's, it, can we not do so much of this? I think it very fairly could be called sexual harassment. Yeah. Um, so that was a real story. That's a real thing that happened. Then the review bombing author in which did we, t- we didn't, we didn't. It happened. it's happened in Be- the time since and we've just been in like year end wrap up mode so we haven't talked about it yeah actually. we haven't talked about this I'm going to put a link in the show notes I don't want to name names mm. because if you want to know I just don't want to give it more oxygen I just don't want to talk point, about it very much yeah it's gross I don't really but but other than to give the, the very basics is a, a debut author created a fake Goodreads profile and started review bombing some other debut authors mm-hmm. in this person's space, which is sci-fi and romance yeah. or fan, is spec fic. Many especially. of which are people of color. People of color. And then once someone saw something suspicious when called out on it, apparently, well, no, she's now she's now confessed to it. There's a confession that's floating around out there. Um, slash apology slash excuse. It's a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. Created a... Or created a situation where she tried to blame a friend of hers for doing it. Like every one of these independent Just, clauses, I, I shudder more and more. Not good. And then eventually got called out on that because, as one might imagine, when you are making fake accounts to review bomb people on Goodreads, you you may be not in MI5, right? When you're doing this stuff, you maybe leave a little um, trail, and that trails were relatively easy to find. The book has now been completely wiped from Del Rey's forward-looking catalog. She's been dropped by her agent. I think the headline I wrote in Today Books was um, debut author engages on a review bombing campaign and only managed to explode her own career, mm-hmm. blow up her own career. Mm-hmm. And that's what's happened here. Long story short, the the first rule of Fight Club for debut authors is stay off Goodreads. Yes, for every We've talked about this before. Just away. don't go there. And. Don't do dumb stuff like this. You will get caught. Like, if you've ever watched a younger millennial or a member of Gen Z, like, try to solve a mystery about, like, a friend of a friend on the internet, and within four minutes, they found the person's Instagram and their live journal and everything else and know, you know, their entire backstory, like, the internet will figure this out. (laughs) You're not going to pull this off. Unless you are seventeen, you do not have the internet sleuthing skills of a seven of a modern seventeen year old. You yeah, do not you do don't. it. Don't try it. Don't do not try. Don't it. try to pull one over. And just the like, let's do just some basic cost benefit analysis here. Goodreads is not going to make or break your career. It is not. I understand that it may feel that way. If you're a debut author, I, I think do not go there. But like the most, uh, I'm not interested in doing a generous reading. I think the Occam's razor here is someone did something without thinking about it. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, that's just that's so sad, and it's bad. But I don't think there was a lot of boy. If I if I review bomb these ten authors, then my step one oh, review yeah. bomb authors. Just, step two question mark question mark question mark. Start three book sales. Your, I think like, it wasn't in your debut author Dark Night of the Soul, where you're worried about how your book is going to sell. Just don't yeah. even allow 
don't like, I don't know, you've got your little bowl full of options. One of your options is not review bomb on Goodreads. That is not a thing to reach for. Like, let's make I mean, some the, other the, decisions. The advice has been don't engage. I would go so farther to say don't go on Goodreads if you're a debut author. There's nothing there for you. I agree. It's not going to help and, you. The reviews there aren't going to help you. They're going to make you feel weird. Yep. And even good ones are going to feel strange. Like, just just stay off and of it. listen, like, especially with Twitter taking itself down the toilet, yeah. there is a just decreasing need for authors to be on social media. And I think that most publishers are recognizing this, that like, unless you yeah. are already established with a big audience, you're not going to do much to help sell your books on social media. If you need to be on social media or for some reason you are choosing to be there and you're, you've got a book coming out, like figure out a way to mute mentions of yourself. I see authors be like, you yeah. know, I, I see authors say I don't go on Goodreads, but people tag me in negative reviews of my book when they're posting them on Instagram. And then I have mm. to see them. First of all, don't do that. That sucks. Don't tag a person yeah. when you're saying something negative about their book. Make your point, state your opinion, give your negative review, whatever. You don't need to call it to their attention. But like knowing that that is behavior that people do on the internet find a way to mute it find a way to not look at it just yeah just don't go on goodreads don't go there yeah um in the sure i guess <laughs> category we're going with a twilight series coming to tv and hbo doing a 10-year run reboot for harry potter 10 years television series I'm tired just saying that out loud. I um, the only 10-year TV deal that I want is to hear that Mick Heron is going to keep writing Slow Horses books uh, until the end of time, until the heat death of the universe. Gosh, season, season three is so good, it's isn't so it? It's so good. I think it might be the best so one. Great. It's great. Like, I really want Gary Oldman to get to play this character until he dies. I think Gary Oldman wants to play this character until he dies. Yeah, like, he needs to get in a little better shape. He's taking his, I don't know, I don't Yeah, His method acting for Jackson Lamb's schlubbiness and general uh, discomfiture has been laudable, if not concerning. I'm concerned um, about... The, the real, actual body of Gary yeah, Oldman. Yeah, what we're going to see when Gary Oldman has to, like, get on the treadmill for the stress test. Um not a great moment yeah. for Jackson Lamb. That would be like, it's slow horses is so good. Give us 10 more years of that. Come on. I mean, that's Apple. It's yeah. not HBO, but like make better choices. HBO, come on. And unfortunately for me, of all the post strike, the streaming ad peak adaptation, the money is driving up. The, the, the cockroach and small mammal survivor of the asteroid hitting the planet is going to be the Harry Potter reboot and Twilight coming to TV. Th these are not things that I'd be like, you know what? Never mind. We're not doing these because they're, they're going to do these. <laughs> I, I would be shocked if they don't. Yeah. We can't get um, Dune for three the, more months, but we've got to hear about Harry Potter for 10 years. 10 years. 10 years. Um, okay. And then... To end with the anticlimactic one, I thought was a, a nice bit of irony on your part. <laughs> to you. end with the most anticlimactic <laughs> story of the year, which is the manuscript thief pleads guilty, and the story is he Filippo Bernardini just kind of wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, he just yeah. kind of felt like just... an outsider, and he was trying to flex a little bit within the small circle of influence he had, and so he did. I think generously so described as going through it. Filippo going through yeah. it, made some bad calls, uh, 
that had the potential to be an eyeballs emoji story. It was an eyeballs emoji story when it was unfolding. Like, what could this be? It just turned out to be really uninteresting. Yeah. And um, people do things. People and this do is things. on the sort of. There wasn't. I don't want to say there wasn't a victim, but it, no one really got hurt here because he didn't do anything with yeah. them. Like, even the review bombing, at least you got one star on some. I mean. It's hard to know how much that really hurts people, but certainly had an effect that you could see and, you know, it's on the permanent record, so on and so forth. But, like, this kind of went nowhere. Um, yeah, very, very anticlimactic. Not even where you can, like, write a long New Yorker no. article around it. Like, it's just sort of, you need almost a, I don't know, like inside Llewellyn Davis kind of story where it's more really about failure mm-hmm. and then tarnished dreams than it's about the actual thought or the actual plot that goes into here. Well, there we go. Those are the stories of the year and what a year it was. Um, on our radar, I mean, AI is continue to be a thing. AI, romanticy, book sales writ large. Um, I think those are my, those are my trend mm-hmm. watches for, for 2024. If you got something we missed, got something else you think we should mention as a 2024 watch, let us know. Rebecca, thank you for putting our scaffolding together. It was a pleasure to climb around on the monkey bars a little bit with you yeah, on this particular. My pleasure. Fun to look back at the year always. What's our next Patreon that people can look forward to? Our next to? Patreon is what we call the best of the rest. It's all of the non-book stuff we loved this year. So we will inevitably do some TV, some movies, some music. I was going to say, we, I already, the slow horse is out of the barn. <laughs> right. Maybe like, some podcasts, maybe some clothing. Mm-hmm. You talked about underwear last year. Anything could happen. Was that last it year? Was. Boy, how time flies. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, as always, you can choose the email podcast at bookriot.com. Find the show notes at bookriot.com slash listen. And then, of course, the Patreon. Patreon.com slash podcast. Happy New Year. Everybody, and we'll we'll talk to you when the calendar flips. Mm